This is the Rock and Roll Autopsy Podcast. Hey, man. I'm Scott. Hey, and this is Rico. How are you doing tonight? Not bad, man. Um, I started watching Get Back, the Beatles doc that's on Disney+. Plus. Fascinating. Everybody's been talking about that, yeah. like, has kind of become a thing. You know, the Beatles... They've done this thing where they've managed to, like, kind of insert themselves, even though they're a band that broke up, like, what, 1970? 1970. Did you notice how they've managed to insert themselves in every decade, even though they're not around? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, I remember in the 90s when they did the anthology and the song Free as a Bird came out, Mm -hmm. and it's like, hey, the Beatles are back. Right. And then in the 80s, Paul McCartney, well, of course, John Lennon dies, but then Paul McCartney is doing songs with Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson's the biggest artist of the 80s. Hey, the Beatles are back. Even George Harrison had a couple of hits in the 80s. Yep. In the 70s, you still had all these guys making records. So it was like, hey, the Wings was huge. Lennon was doing some things too. So the anthology comes out in the 90s. You got Free as a Bird. Hey, the Beatles are back. And then in the 2000s they do that across the universe movie where they license all their songs for that movie yep. hey the beatles are back and then they do the yesterday movie and it's like <laughs> the in the the 20, beatles, right? just like a couple years ago right <laughs> right and so you know it's a whole movie the whole premise of the movie is the beatles never existed and this one guy knows all their songs and yeah. so he does them and gets famous and it's like hey the beatles are back and then my daughter's watching netflix and there's this cartoon on there called beat bugs and all the songs in it are Beatles songs. Beatles so my daughter at like seven years old knows every Beatles song. It's like, hey, the Beatles are back. So it's like the Beatles have just done a masterful job of keeping themselves injected in every they've never been allowed to go away. Nope. You know? So now we've got this documentary from Peter Jackson. It's like, that hey, the once, Beatles are back, once right? Once again, puts the Beatles in the front of everybody. Yeah, life. and then Paul McCartney did the piece with uh, Rick Rubin on Hulu, which I didn't get. Did you watch that? Uh-uh. Okay, yeah, he does like a three-part documentary on uh, on Hulu where he basically sits with him at the producer's table, I guess, and listens to the stems of all these old, you know, of all the parts that yeah. isolate tracks and yeah. kind of do a deep dive. Sounds interesting. So the Beatles are back, it. right? They're back. It's like they never left. But um, but they got out. See, part of the magic of the Beatles is that they, they, they broke up at the absolute peak of their existence. Nobody was doing that. Everybody, all, I mean, we've all lived it, man. How many bands have hung on way too long? All and, of them. And the Beatles, yeah. All of them except for every, the police. Ex- well, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. The police did it. They bailed at the absolute height of their popularity. Well, and never, synchronicity, yeah. too, I think, was their last, yeah, they was never, their last go. Yeah. But part of what makes the Beatles so magical is that they broke up at the absolute apex of, of their creativity. And um, I think one thing we're going to explore is could they have survived the 70s? Could they, What would have happened if they would have not broken up? But bef- before I do that, before we talk about that, I just want to make one thing clear. And I think people have discussed this, but not really, you know. Over decades and decades, the big question was, you know, who broke up the Beatles? Was it Yoko? You've heard that a million times. Yoko broke up the Beatles. 
um, Paul McCartney really died in the 60s. And the Paul McCartney we know now is an MI6 operative and all this other bull crap. <laughs> Have you heard those stories? It's ridiculous. Yeah, it's all crazy. But I, I, I submit to you that really the reason why the Beatles broke up is because Brian Epstein died. So for a drug overdose, like in his early thirties, he was 32. He died in August of 67. So for the uninitiated, I mean, we're talking about an old fucking band, even though they've never left us and they've managed to be relevant somehow in every decade for the last 50 years. That's right. Who is Brian Epstein? Brian Epstein was their manager and a lot of people refer to him and the band did too more than once as the fifth Beatle. He's the one that took him out of leather, put him in the suits, gave him that famous Beatles haircut, decided that... So he crafted their image. Crafted their image. He said, we're not going to go to the United States until we have a hit single in the, in the UK, which is precisely what they did. And it was a huge, hugely successful decision. In fact, he was... You know, there, there's been stuff out there about maybe he didn't do as good for them as he could have, and things kind of went a little bit downhill towards the end because of the drugs and because he was he was gay too. And at the time, being gay was like legitimately illegal. You could get in a lot in trouble for that. And so, but um, he was such an integral part of that band that I even read that Paul McCartney himself said. When he would put something in front of us to sign, we didn't even read it. We just would sign it. That's how much we trusted him. I think he was against their decision to stop touring, too, which, from what I read, um, is what led to kind of their paths diverging a little bit and also what led to the Beatles finding themselves, because he had them on really solid financial footing. Yeah, for sure. um, Through his management. But when they decided that the Beatles struggled with touring because they they couldn't hear themselves on stage over the screaming, it wasn't, um, you know, they felt like they could creatively be more accomplished if they simply stopped touring and focused on studio output. But what that did was it really um, impeded the band's ability to be financially viable and that Epstein was against this decision that they made. So they went kind of against him. And Mm -hmm. after that, they drifted apart. And then it wasn't long, I think within a year of that decision from the the Beatles, basically to pull the plug on being a live act and that he found himself, um, you know, that he overdosed. Yep. And and one of the important roles that he had was managing their personalities and when he died there's if 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 anybody hasn't watched the get back documentary it's absolutely fascinating there's so many little I don't, i'm not going to go into detail here but just suffice to say watch it but there's so many little teeny moments in this documentary that you could spend hours talking about. But just re- regarding the Brian Epstein stuff, even even Paul McCartney himself said in the documentary something to the effect of they needed him to be that kind of like father figure to manage their to, – to give them direction. When he died, they were a rudderless ship and – for lack of a better term, the inmates were running the asylum. Don't forget, when he died, the Beatles were just in their mid-20s. They were ridiculously successful. They couldn't go anywhere. Now imagine 
you, the rudder of your ship who manages all of your personalities dies, and then you decide that you're going to manage yourselves, which is why that whole rooftop performance would have never have happened had Brian Epstein been alive because that whole thing was a farce. That whole rooftop concert wasn't even really a concert. None of them really wanted to do it. Think about it. They had, what, three weeks to come up with a dozen and a half brand new songs? That's a joke. Brian Epstein would have never let that happen. Why do you say that? Because he would have feared that uh, that the timeline wasn't realistic for them to put out quality material. Absolutely. And so just that three week timeline. It's not the timeline some... they wanted to. They were, but ultimately in... they put out quality material. True. However, but did it break the band up because they're at each other's throats? Yeah, because of the pressure that was involved in doing what they had, what they signed on to do. They think about it. They did it because they're the freaking Beatles. I mean, everybody, millions of us watched Paul McCartney come up with Get Back off the top of his head because he knew he had to. And he was the only person out of the four of them that understood what was really at stake. And that's why him and George Harrison got in that little fight during Get Back because I don't think George Harrison really understood what was going on. And Paul McCartney was the de, the de facto general of the band when Epstein left, and I think the other guys didn't like it to a certain extent because he was kind of driving the ship. They didn't want him to drive the ship. I don't think he wanted to drive the ship either. And ultimately, you didn't have Brian Epstein there to to keep. Sorry, I know. Yoko Ono was just kind of there, but having Yoko Ono where she was in that documentary. I was distracted by by seeing how up in the band she was the entire time. That's a distract, and I guarantee you that Brian Epst if Brian Epstein was there, he'd have kept the whole dynamic with Yoko Ono in check. If you know what I mean. Well, I mean, I think anybody who's ever you don't even have to be in a band. Just if you have a buddy, you know, if you have a group of guys that you hang out with, and one of them, you know, gets a girl. The dynamic just changed. Yeah, but they all had you know? girls, but none of the other ones were as much of a distraction as she was. Well, but this is where, and I'm referencing an article from the, the History Channel. Yeah. This is where, you know, Paul was pulling his own shit. You know, Paul had no room to be upset about Lennon, um, you know, wanting Yoko to be present all times. Paul, when, when Epstein died, the... Ringo, George, and and John all wanted Alan Klein, the Rolling Stones manager, That's right. to manage the Beatles. John Lennon pushed hard and for that. Who did Paul McCartney want to manage the Beatles? Uh, his his dad, I believe. His right? father in law, yeah, Linda Linda McCartney's dad, e, uh, e, uh, Eastman, Eastman, and yeah. his brother in law. So yeah. Paul McCartney's basically lobbying for his in laws to manage the Beatles yeah. while the other three guys are making a rational decision of, let's just go with the guy who's managing the Rolling Stones. Yeah. Well, Klein and, wound um, up ripping them off though. But imagine though, if John Lennon was married to Yoko and suggested his in-laws manage the band. That's a great point. So it's like, you know, Paul's wanting what he won't let John have, you know, see, that's the problem. That's where if that's precisely my point, if Brian Epstein would have been around 
all of that would have been managed because it was when he was alive. You see what I'm saying? Listen to this, okay? This is from this History Channel article from Stephen Wood, November 24th, 2021. Listen to this, though. Exhausted from extensive tours during which they couldn't hear themselves play over the roar of the fans, the Beatles decided to stop performing live in 1966. Epstein opposed the decision which the foursome felt was necessary in order to focus on the quality of their music. It says, over the next few years, the Beatles redefined pop music with the seminal Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club band and became global counterculture icons, but they made less money and drifted away from Epstein. So Epstein, and then Epstein dies of a drug overdose. Yep, combination so, of barbiturates and alcohol. But it, the drifting was already happening it under was. Epstein's management. And then it goes on to say that, okay, they made less money. So they're already, he gets them into a financial position where they're solvent and profitable. But it was ultimately their decision to stop touring, even under his leadership, that they start going the other direction financially. So... You know, it had begun under Epstein, and it sounds like their relationship had started to kind of fracture with that decision by the Beatles, you know, to basically push the creative side, which they felt could only be accomplished by eschewing live performance and only being a studio band, but ultimately at their own peril because the movies they made, they didn't make any money. And these were all other vehicles that they had That's to try right. to make money. They weren't successful. That's and right. So financially, they find themselves in a pickle. But but again, then they find themselves. They're sitting in this this. They're sitting in Twickenham Studio, which the acoustics are terrible. They're trying. They're under this massive gun of pressure of trying to write a dozen and a half songs in three weeks. They're building a sound booth in the background, which I'm sure was super distracting. And they would have, even even if the relationship between them and Epstein was kind of not great, if he would have been around, that would have never have happened. He would have never let the band be in that position to begin with. Does that make sense? Because it does, it was, but he, it's, but he it was let such them. a crappy deal and put them under way too much pressure. They were doomed the second they signed on to do that, sh that, that whole thing at Twickenham that wound up going to the rooftop. The second they signed on to do that, they were freaking doomed because it was such a terrible business decision. But he had already allowed them to make, there's precedent for him allowing them to already make a terrible business decision. In stopping touring, this article goes on to say, without the reliable income that touring had provided, the Beatles became increasingly desperate for revenue. So the Beatles are hurting for money. How many people knew that? You know, the Beatles oh. are like the most iconic band so in then history. They, so, so then he they spent the '60s broke. I mean, well, then he would have talked them into touring again. Says the magical mystery tour film blew minds, but didn't break any box office records. They ventured into retail with the psychedelic Apple Boutique, but it quickly closed after eight months and lost two hundred thousand dollars. So the Beatles were hemorrhaging money. Sure. Okay. So you know, this was, and these were things that kind of, again started even while they were still under him. So the Beatles were, you know, he he was able to kind of get them going, but once they decided, once they started making their own decisions about their career and, you know, maybe disregarding his, you know, better instincts, 
If they, but if they, I'm not convinced. I guess that he would have been able to pull them back from any decisions well, around any of even those in the get back, even in Twickenham when they were at that point. Paul McCartney tells everybody essentially, we. I wish Brian Epstein was here to deal with this because we need him. He says it right in the documentary, right in Twickenham that they needed Brian Epstein as much. They probably realized at some point in time that although, you know, he wanted them to keep touring, they didn't want to tour. The other aspects of that is what they needed. The business decision-making, making this shit-ass deal that they signed on for, they needed him for that stuff that he wasn't then around for, which ultimately doomed the band. Is what is what I'm is what I'm trying to say, but yeah, I mean you're you're right. They were on the outs anyways, a little bit. But I feel like you had Brian Epstein on one hand. That's like we need to make money, and this is how we make money. And the Beatles on the other hand were like, we want to make music and we want to hone our craft. And if we can't hear ourselves, and if we're in a studio, then we're we're doing what we love to do, and we're able to do it actually. I feel like because they trusted Brian Epstein so much, even though the relationship was kind of on the outs, I feel like they would have found a sweet spot in there eventually. This is an interesting uh, portion of this article as well, because even after Epstein is passed, says over the course of 68, 69, and 70, the Beatles spent hundreds of hours in often contentious business meetings at the headquarters of their label, Apple Records. Financial concerns. So this this is closing out the career of the band. They're yep. still in financial hot water. Financial concerns even found their way into their music. The Abbey Road song, You Never Give Me Your Money, for example. So it's like, this is a band that said, I had no idea. I thought the Beatles no, were just awash with cash. Yeah. But apparently the Beatles were in financial hot yeah. water. Basically, from the moment they decided not to, to tour stop anymore. Touring. And yeah. Epstein had them in great shape. And then once that was the pivotal moment, when it was like when they became just a studio band, just a TV movie theater band, yeah. that financially they were no longer. And they tried other revenue generating ideas and boutiques, movies, merchandising. Touring was the only thing that was going to yeah. support this at the band time, financially right. at the time. Right. And they would not do it. Yeah. So it's just. Um, and, and, and ultimately. It was just too much, and it all got to him. John Lennon left, and I read that the last thing that he ever said to Paul McCartney was uh, something to the words of, uh, think of me fondly, was the last thing he ever said to Paul McCartney. Um, That's interesting. And that was it, and the band broke up. It's like a similar tale, though. Um, I mean, we hear, the, all you have to do is watch any, you know, season of VH1 behind the music yeah. and you hear these tales of why bands break up yeah. and, you know, is it a wife? Is it drugs? Is it personalities? Is it business? More often than not, it's business yeah. it's money, you know? Yeah. I mean, even with like this Epstein deal, it's this article breaks it down when he set up, Epstein was taking 25% of everything they made. John was getting 15 and Paul was getting 15, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, Epstein was, you know, he was doing pretty well oh, sure. managing the Beatles. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, it's always money and who gets what royalties. And But it just sounds to me like the Beatles, though, I mean, 
I don't think there's any question that they they probably had plenty in the tank creatively to to continue going, but it sounds like personality wise and that there were a lot there were personalities that didn't see eye to eye. And then I think as anyone who's ever had to experience financial difficulty knows that that has a unique kind of stressor that it places on your life that can really wear on you over time. That's, it sounds think, like there were some serious yeah. financial stressors that went on for a number of years. Yeah. The, the combination of the financial troubles and the business side that they just didn't I feel like they just weren't weren't built to deal with and didn't want to deal with and I think it all just mounted and it was just too much and I think it's interesting about that documentary is it's like when they're playing when they're taking when they're playing Paul's song when they're playing John's song or if they're playing just a cover song together they all seem to be into it but when they're working on George's stuff they all look like there's any like they'd rather be anywhere else. I have a theory about that. I have a small theory, it, and and maybe it was always like that because I, f- I think he always has has felt like an outsider to in that respect. Like oh well, we get to throw a couple of my songs in, but I feel like things were a little bit different in this particular scenario because of what they needed to accomplish in such a short period of time, and I feel like. When when you're under the gun, you stick with what you know. And what Paul McCartney and John Lennon knew was me and him could knock out a shitload of songs if everybody just leaves us alone, right? They were like, listen, and that this I feel like this is part of that argument that Paul had with, with George Harrison was like, listen, we don't have time for this. Uh, we don't have to, and I feel like what he wanted to say was, we don't have time for everybody to be involved. We have to pump out these songs, and if you just let me, if you just leave me alone, then I can get this done. If you just let me do this, you know, does that make sense? Yep. Under the circumstances, I think they were put off because when the chips were down, it's John and Paul, and the, if you just would have left them alone, like they wound up doing and just let them do their thing, they ultimately wrote the songs they needed to write. Because because of the circumstances, they didn't have time to have this super elaborate creative process. They just needed to pump out some songs. Yeah, and they were the guys. I mean, it was like, yeah. um, there's a, there's a uh, in this, again, in this article, um, which naturally I closed and can't bring up right now at the <laughs> moment, but... Um, it talks about how John had this song, uh, The Ballad of John and Yoko, and he invited Paul to help him work on it. And Paul accepted, which kind of surprised John. And that Paul was surprised by how much the song sounded like the Beatles, even though it was just the two of them. <laughs> and I think that makes your point is that yeah. at the end of the day, you know, those two are the sound. They are the that Beatles. chemistry and that. And when those two are working together on a song, it's like, just get out of their way and they'll be able to get the material done. That's what I'm saying. And I think under the circumstances, Paul was trying to say, listen, if you just let me and John take care of this, then we can just get through this. So it, in light of that, hold on real quick. To just to get a feel for just how difficult it was to do what they wound up pulling off, 
I always use this story as an example. I read an article about the song Yellow Submarine. Did I ever did I tell you about this? Did Do we tell. talk about Paul McCartney wrote it. He's like, I wanted to write a song for Ringo. So he woke up, he was in bed. The story is he woke up and 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 he had this idea for Yellow Submarine. Not a complicated song, right? Would you say? No, I mean it's a pretty straightforward, yeah. simple song. Did you know that it took him? And Dion and one other person, three months, three months, three months to write the lyrics to that song. Wow. Yeah. That's how, now put that, now transfer that over to them pumping out a dozen and a half songs in three weeks, a dozen yeah. and a half good songs in three weeks. And he wrote Get Back in on top of all of that. So wow. what they did was incredibly difficult. Yeah. So... So now, now we know, in my opinion, and, and we've talked about why they broke up. So the big question is, what would have happened if they would have stayed together? Could they have survived the 70s? Before we talk about that, I want to take 30 quick seconds to talk about the shoes that I'm wearing. I'm literally wearing them right now. It's zero with an X, zero shoes. I've been dabbling in the barefoot uh, lifestyle. I wear barefoot shoes now. And I, I couldn't be happier with these shoes. They have a, the toe box is so comfortable, gives you a lot of room for your toes to spread out. You get incredible ground feel. The uppers have this the Hirachi strap style that keeps the uppers nice and snug to your feet. These shoes are amazing. I, I, I really plan on buying another pair of these. And I want everybody out there to try them out too. They're, they don't Sometimes barefoot shoes can look a little awkward because they're barefoot shoes, but these don't. These look like just your regular old everyday shoes, but they're amazingly comfortable. And I think everybody out there would absolutely be thrilled if you had a pair of shoes like these. All we ask is if you do want to try these out, do your own research. I did. You're, you're going to find that these are amazing. All, all we ask is that you use our affiliate link. It's zeroshoes.com. That's X-E-R-O. So it's zeroshoes.com forward slash go forward slash R-N-R-A affiliate. We're going to post a link, and we'll, we'll make it as user-friendly on you as possible. But again, don't take my word for it. They come The sole of these shoes come with a 5,000-mile guarantee, which is amazing. This is one of the best purchases I've ever made. I absolutely love these shoes, and I can't wait to get another pair. So check them out, um, zeroshoes.com forward slash go forward slash R-N-R-A affiliate. So what would have happened if the Beatles stayed together in the 70s? How, how long do you think they could have lasted? Oh, I think they would have been... Um... They would have probably been swallowed up by trends and saw a dwindling fan base. And did and, they get out at the right time? Oh, yeah. When I, to say when is the bigger question. To me, there's no doubt in my mind that when the, to say when they that they had almost a perfect discography, a perfect career, compact, fits nicely into one decade. We think of them in that decade in our minds. We align their music with the history of that decade. Um, so I, I am thankful that the Beatles did not move on into the 70s. I, on the other hand, and, and when to say when, I, I, 
maybe this is a topic we revisit with some other bands at some point in time, when the same when, and did they exit at the right time, et cetera, et cetera. But man, think about, think about what Paul McCartney did in the seventies with wings. I mean, he, he did a lot of good things with wings. John Lennon was still writing good music in the seventies. George Harrison had, he only had really in his career, the one really good album, but it was a really good album though. They, they, I think they, I think, let's see, they broke up in the, in 1970. Disco really hit in, what, 77, 78? Late 70s, yeah. I, I think they probably she, would have been golden until disco hit. That had given them another seven years. Let's think about it, though. I mean, it's like, so Paul has Wings, and Wings had a bunch of hits, you know. Um, you know, Band on the Run, and... You know, um, baby, I'm amazed. You know, they bunch of hits, right? Right. Silly love songs, which is <laughs> you do not want to see silly love songs with the Beatles title on. No, it. it's a terrible song. And John Lennon had a, a couple great albums. I mean, his first uh, yeah. his first solo one was with the Plastic Ono Band. Yep. He did Imagine. Yep. So I mean, he had some iconic, great solo records there. Um, so like. They were writing, I mean, with the exception of Silly Love Song, they were both still writing Beatles-level music, just not as the Beatles. Yeah, ish, you know, ish, yeah. Um, I think there's a certain magic that kind of happens with the two of them, so I guess your argument would be, well, if it was still the two of them, then that music would have risen to the level of Beatles music. But again, though, it's like by 1970, okay, we already have like Led Zeppelin has two albums out by that time. By by seventy one seventy two, we've got Stairway to Heaven, which like the music of that time is already making the Beatles sound dated in comparison. If you think about it in context, okay. By we've got glam alice cooper hitting at that time we've got proto punk hitting Stardust at that time was about that time too. Yeah, you've got pro you got the tail end of proto punk with like the mc5 and the stooges, the stooges so it's like killing everybody and then think about another band that re was recording piper at the gates of dawn at the same time as sergeant pepper yep. Pink Floyd is putting out by about the same time Plastic Ono bands yeah. coming out in his Wings albums. Pink Floyd's putting they were putting out, out some sick metal, ass music. and then oh by the way, by '73 they're going to put out Dark Side of the Moon, mm -hmm. which you could argue is better singularly than any Beatles record. It's one of the could most important that. records of sure all time, is. a true masterpiece. Okay, so of it's engineering. Like, of and, everything, and writing it's a, it's and a, playing and everything. It's an absolute Agreed. masterwork record. So it's like I got a Claire Tory story for you, by the way, for another episode. So think about like, you know, in terms of the context of what's happening in music, Black Sabbath, like heavy metal is being born. Black Sabbath, 1970, Black Sabbath put out 2112 was hitting in, in 74, 75. So you got Prague happening, yeah. you know, so yes. it's like ELP, yeah. Uriah Heep, Deep so, Purple, you know, so is. So, you know, is are would the Beatles still would they just be, you know, at that point, you know, they'd only be what if they'd continue. Now they're getting like by the time Dark Side of the Moon comes out, they're mid you know, 10, 11, yeah. 12 years in their years. career yep. at that point. Yep. It's like, you know, I don't know, man. I mean, I think that and plus like 
you know, it's apparent if they wanted to work with one another, they probably would have, you know? So it's like, so can you be, I mean, if you don't want to work with one another, then I guess you're creatively spent and you could say, well, no, but they went on and made good shit on their own. It's like, I think they wanted to work together. I just feel like they couldn't anymore. Right. I don't know if they wanted to. Maybe. John Lennon left the Beatles. He wasn't fired. I mean, it's like, I think that, like, you can say, well, like, no, John Lennon put out good records, and Paul put out good records, and George Harrison put... Yeah, but those they were inspired to do them yeah. on their own. Right. And it's like, would they have been inspired to make great music together if they no, if they yeah. no longer wanted to be married? Could they be happy? Yeah. You know? And it's like... So how many bands... Uh, and again, I really, man... I really want to do this with other bands, like when they should have exited and talk about that. But so the Beatles exited in 1970. Did they do themselves a favor by exiting when they did? Yeah, they yeah, really did. I think so. now, how many other bands have exited maybe on accident like they did at the right time? How many bands have done that? I can't really think of too many. Nirvana only because he offed himself. So maybe they exited at the right time because of a suicide. But how, I mean, can you think of how many other bands can you think of whether on accident or on purpose that really exited at the right time? Well, the, the police comes to mind besides, well, yeah, police Nirvana. I can think of one that I thought did it right. And then a couple decades later went back on it and it really bummed me out. I think Jane's Addiction are one of the most important bands in rock history. And I think that you mentioned Nirvana. I think they were Nirvana before Nirvana was Nirvana. I think the alternative movement that ruled the 90s started with Jane's in the 80s. And I think that, you know, they did nothing shocking in like 88. And it was all there. Every element of the alternative music was in place on that record, visually, sonically. I mean, and of course, Perry Farrell will go on to like Mastermind Lollapalooza, which was the 90s, right? So the alternative music, the alternative movement, which we've had all these movements in rock, right? You mentioned we had punk, we've had disco, we've had new wave, we've had grunge. The alternative rock movement was a legitimate movement in rock that started... It's always associated with the 90s, and it's always associated with Nirvana being the kickoff. But it really, in my opinion, started in the 80s with Jane's Addiction. And they put out two records, Nothing Shocking and Ritual De Lo Habitual, and then they broke up. And to me, that was like the perfect, flawless discography. They came in. They set an entire movement in motion. And they got out at the right time. And they quit. And then they all went, he went on and did Porno for Pyros. Dave Navarro went on and did Red Hot Chili Peppers. They broke up. Yep. And they set something very important into motion, made two brilliant records. They were artistic. They were creative. They were revolutionary. And then they got out. And I was like, that is the perfect. That's like the Sex Pistols. One record and out. We made an impact. We gone. But then later on, the 
you know, a couple decades later in the 2000s, they reunited and put out two more records. Yeah, but nobody's I, really even considering those. No, though. but I hated it because I was like, you guys did it perfect. And then I, and I tried to get into those records, and I love those two records, Ritual and Nothing Shocking. Yeah. And I can't get into those two records they put out, The Great Escape Artist and Strays. I can't and get into I, those records. You know, don't you feel like they put those last two together just because they had bills to pay? Really? I don't know why they did it. But I mean, the point is, is we've got really just a handful of bands that whether by accident or on purpose got out at the right time and they're all legends for it. Yeah. And you can, nobody, nobody talks about them in terms of Iron Maiden doing the same shit over and over again for 50 years or rush petering out at the end and doing two or three, too many albums. They should have quit after test for echo. Um, Nobody talks about that. They got out at the right time. Maybe it was on accident, but they got out at the right time. Or like the Doors, where they did the you know a perfect five album discography or whatever it is. But then Morrison dies, and then they put out two records without him. Yeah. On, with like nobody on vocals or yeah. whatever. And it's yeah. like no one remembers. It's those a train records. wreck. <laughs> so yeah. So could the Beatles have survived the seventies? Probably for a while, but should they have? No. You've convinced me that, no, they shouldn't have. They got out just at the right time. I mean, I think that's like, um, I like it. It's clean. It's like you make clean a clean break. You come in and. You go you, out with Abbey Road, man. Let's, yeah. What better way to go right, out? Right, right. My favorite album there is Abbey Road. Yep, you're winning the Super Bowl and then retiring. It's like, I think it's just, um, it's. But they own that decade, and it's like what they no matter what they did in their career, they would never not be associated with the '60s. It's like at a certain point, it's like you can't bang on them for anything. Think about it. You really can't. Yeah. What can you bang on them for? No. You can't. You can bang on ACDC for doing that same four four bullshit. Yep. You yep. can bang on every other. You can bang on the Stones for touring in their '80s. Yep. You can bang on every band that's not done what they've done for some reason but you can't bang on what can you bang the police for can you bang on them for really anything other than no. other than uh sting and Stuart copeland hating each other just being notoriously uh you know bitter dudes who hate one another yeah but no they, but musically musically they got out at the yeah. perfect time and then you can look at like you know the first uh, michael jackson i mean michael jackson uh, the last few records of his career, I mean, he had this, you know, he had one of the biggest records of all time. Thriller. And, and was... then, you know, he had that run of off the wall, thriller and bad. And then it's like after that, you get into like dangerous. And, oh, couple, it was, and it's like, it just stop, please. Yeah. And it was like, and they were just trying, he was just trying to like redo those other records over and over again, you know, chase, chase, they're chase, people chase. Yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't good, man. It's like you you hit a certain point, and it's like at some point maybe you got to recognize like okay, I can't replicate this, and I can't follow it up, yeah. and it's kind of run its course, you know. Um, what about this? Rush should have quit after Signals. Nah. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't want to get into that. Maybe that's another another talk, another discussion. But if you really want to talk about getting out at the right time. That would have been the right time for them. Yeah, I mean, you could. Yeah, you could maybe argue that maybe the album before. I mean, if you want to go out, moving like pictures top, was before that would signals, have been yeah. like the like imagine an incline, right? If you, if they wanted to go straight sharpening with, of skills, yeah. If they wanted growth. to go straight Beatles, they'd have gotten out after moving pictures. Yeah. 
because I think for a lot of people, Signals was like, it started to represent like, oh. The change. We're changing. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's still a good album. I mean, Power Windows is even a good album too, but but still, getting out at the right time. Good to, good discussion. I mean, man, you could, I would love to talk about some other bands like that. But yeah, dude, I, I you've changed my mind. I wanted I wanted the Beatles to go to disco, but I, you've you've convinced me that exiting when they did was the right thing. I just don't think that there's like people think about it in terms of like oh they could just keep cranking it, but it's like it, creativity is weird, man. It's like and it doesn't exist on its own. It's like other things are happening yeah. in the world and culturally, and I think the Beatles probably would have like become. You know, they would have found themselves a little dated and a little people would have been looking like, oh, are they still doing that? You know, it's no, like, oh, it's the Beatles. Yeah, exactly. Or that's your like, mom's like, band. Yeah, oh, it's the Beatles. Yeah. They're putting out another album. Oh, they're trying disco now. Yeah. And the like kids with tried like, disco. Yeah. And the kids with spiky hair and safety yeah. pins in their noses would have been like, oh, that's old grandma music. It's grandma. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, they, they made the right choice. Maybe not on purpose, but it was the right one. All right, man. So um, we'll see you next time. Later. Let me have that special rock and roll music. Yeah! Let me tell you, so the lyrics to real rock music is nothing more than satanic cyanide. Get it out of your house, throw it out, and burn it. It has no place in the house of the righteous. Guys, it was like a mistake. There's no mistake anymore. To the dawn, love it till the morning. I'm gone. I'm gone. Follow us on Twitter at RNR Autopsy, or you can send an email to rock and roll autopsy at gmail.com. And if we run across anything good, we'll mention it in a future episode. Thanks for listening. Later.